0: Hey, everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeier. This show is new, evolving, and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be, and that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit, and with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family, and co-workers. Sean Urbasic is my friend, former co-worker, and as of recently, amateur MMA fighter. I recorded my first ever podcast as a guest with Sean, and that experience helped me do what I'm doing right now. Sean also invited me to an open mic night, and he is a good example for myself about trying things, stepping into creativity. And this episode is more of a conversational back and forth rather than a long-form interview where we talk about a little bit about shamanism, fighting, comedy, and we actually dabble in how to eat, how to eat animals. Can we eat animals ethically and generally catch up as two buddies would? Our current medical system is pretty good at treating acute conditions, but when it comes to chronic health problems, We're not that good. In fact, many Americans suffer from chronic health conditions without really knowing why. Not Medical Advice, yes, that is the name, notmedicaladvice.co, not.com, again, that is notmedicaladvice.co, helps you find a holistic healthcare provider near you. You can get a free guide on the website, and you'll get a video and PDF to find the perfect people in your area to help you solve chronic medical conditions if you've had confusing healthcare conditions, if your doctor has made your health worse if you've had a lot of bad doctor experiences like I've had myself where I've lost trust in the system and if you haven't had luck with holistic options just yet Not Medical Advice helps you navigate the health landscape. Go to notmedicaladvice.co Aha.
1: Figured it out how to beat it. <laughs> we're on. We're live. Yeah, we're live. It was like, you can't minimize me, bitch. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, cover your face up. <laughs>
0: Welcome. Um, I like your shirt, Sean. <laughs> I like your shirt, too, Drew. Uh, I where I man. got this shirt? Yeah, where did you get it? I got it from you. Yeah. Tell so, me about it. We got merch. Stegdrew.com slash merch. You can get you some shirts. This one has the logo, the website. That one that Sean is wearing is... Uh, I'm into paren mycelial networking. If you don't know. Mushrooms. Now you know. Um, yeah, if you want to support the show, if you need a gift for your family or friends or for yourself or a gift for your enemies, get them some merch. Right now we have three varieties up. There's this one, there's that one, and then there's another that says authenticity is my kink. Um, just about any I like color. That
1: shirt. I like that shirt.
0: I should have given you that one. I, <laughs> I can give you that one if you want it instead
1: oh no like well i mean like i like to do mushrooms, so this one works too okay um, i'm down with either one <laughs> okay
0: um yeah so you know if you want to support the show um go ahead get you a shirt get you one or 20 um otherwise man let's talk about the elephant in the room right because you have two black eyes yeah i
1: got two well okay technically right um i think this one's the purple one is this the purple one yes and this one's the yellow one yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a little like, well, like, altered, well, but... It was highlighter yellow the day after. Uh, okay. I had my first amateur MMA fight. It did not go the way I planned, but it's okay. Uh, I took a on-fight day short notice against the um, um, organization's champion in my weight class, who was 7-1. and one. And what yeah. was the weight class? Uh, 155. Okay. And, and uh... we went to the second round to our loss by TKO. And, it's uh, on YouTube already. Go to Street Beefs. Look up uh Fetty versus Shaman Sean. Wait,
0: Fetty versus... Fetty. F-
1: his name was F-E-T-T-Y.
0: Versus Shawn. Shaman Sean. Shaman Sean. Yep. Fetty versus Shaman Sean. Dude, I'm going to look this up. <laughs> uh, I've watched some of the Street Beefs. It's only like five minutes long. And you're in a cage with the plywood?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. We almost, break, outside. We almost go through the cage door. Like his first takedown attempt uh we almost go through the cage door
0: and you're wearing mma gloves
1: yeah we're wearing uh full mma gloves we got the mouth guard got the cup uh i was wearing a vegeta rash guard just because i wasn't trying to get fucked up on like no uh dirt slash mulch it's like a soft mulch they put in there but uh-huh. I mean, like it's still mulch i ain't trying to roll around and am like it's- yeah
0: it's not uh a- yeah. It's not an octagon. I mean, no, I guess yeah, it's, it's not, an octagon shape. It's not a, not. Oh, yeah, it's
1: an octagon, but it's like a hood octagon. <laughs> and this was around here? Yeah, it was in uh, Winchester, Virginia. They have one like almost every month. Where Are they based around here? Yeah, the, yeah, the OG Street Beefs is in Winchester, Virginia.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I've been
1: watching that on YouTube, Yeah. but man. I didn't know
0: where. So it's around here. And then yep. how did you get into streets, Or like, how did you hear about Uh that?
1: I started training with some friends up at Export. Hopefully uh, we'll get to show them this video. And uh, there, uh, one of my boys uh, saw me hitting the bag, and he was like, "Hey, man, uh, me and some friends do some sparring. Do you want to come and spar with us?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, man. Like, yeah. I want to actually spar with people. I want to get into it." And then, like, after a few times sparring with them, like we do like once or twice a week, they were telling me about like, how they're gonna fight. And I was like, "Yo, I want to. I want to. I've always wanted to fight. Like, let me. I got time now. Let me chase a dream. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm 34." Look. But uh, I was like, yeah, I'll fucking fight. And I was thinking I was going to go up against someone who, like, I didn't do nearly enough. I didn't do any grappling training. I know it's dumb as it sounds, the MMA fight. I'm already pretty decent as, like, a jujitsu guy, so I didn't think I was going to be going against someone who was going to. Like, I didn't think I was going against someone who was 7-1. and I mean, I took the chance. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. It's a fighter's day. You know what I mean? So I was like, fuck it, let's go. Like, I didn't back down or hesitate in a second but I was expecting to fight another chump like me. <laughs> and uh, uh, finally, after the second round, like first round, I almost got him in a guillotine. Like I pulled a Dustin Poirier when he went for the uh, double leg takedown. I was like, fuck it, guillotine. Ooh, ooh. Uh-huh. And we just, we literally scrapped like that for almost the full first round. Like my arm around his neck, him trying to get yeah, didn't out.
0: didn't quite close. I
1: couldn't quite close it. He was just okay. good. Like he was good enough to stay one step ahead of everything that I was trying to do. Like he was either – Put me in a position to where I needed to defend him off Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get an advantage or he was doing something to neutralize any move I was trying to do to take advantage of a fucking thing or take advantage of like a position. But I mean, like great fucking fight. I enjoyed it. I'm glad it happened. Great fucking competitor. Uh, I went up to him after the fight and I was like, yo man, uh, let me get a few more under me and get better. Let me get a rematch. And he said, sure, man. He actually was. Uh, he was actually very grateful because he told me that if uh I wouldn't have taken that fight, he would not have been able to fight that day.
0: Yeah, because somebody canceled last minute. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, his opponent canceled last minute. And why? Did they get scared or? uh Yeah, I guess dude, just no, like no call, no show. Huh? How do you no call, no show for a title fight, even if it is like a backyard scratch? Like that's how you get to the next level. You know what I mean? And like, has
0: anyone gone from street beef to like UFC or Bellator? Or... uh
1: I don't know. Like I don't like. I think people might count, like, because they count them as, like, amateur cards or whatever. Right. But, like, I don't know if anyone's used it. I mean, there was one dude who, like, there was, like, this guy, I wish I remember his name. He was the first fight of the day. I feel like this dude is actually going to make it to some fight organization. He travels the country in his minivan, which has solar panels on the top of it, to go and train at different, like, academies and do different fight organizations like this across the country. I was like thinking about like watching how good he was. I'm like, this motherfucker's actually gonna be one of the motherfuckers that make it. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, it seems he's taking, I don't know how the other people train, but I would assume he's taking the training most seriously.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in yeah. good shape. He was, he looked like he was in his like uh, early to mid 20s. Okay. He was in good shape. He won the fight. Like, yeah, I thought he did pretty good. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was Street Beast, but Kimbo Slice, right? Yeah, was... that's
1: how he made it backyard. It wasn't Street Beast, but that was, it was just him, him just same like chowing. style, yeah. right? I mean, well, that's where uh, actually, like... yeah, not Street Beast exactly, but besides Kimbo Slice, mm-hmm. fucking Jorge Masvidal uh, used to fight in Kimbo Slice's videos. There's a video of like mm-hmm. little sixteen year ass Jorge Masvidal fucking just throwing down people and in the backyard and uh... now he's in the UFC. Fought for a world title twice. We know how that went the last time, but it's Derek okay. Lewis, right? Come back. Uh, Derek Lewis actually was going to be a boxer before he went there,
0: but he was a street fighter, right? I don't know. I, I think mean, he was a street fighter too. So sense. I mean, there's there's skill, right? There's absolutely skill required in fighting, but a lot of it is uh, willingness to do it, right? I'm not oh, I'm unwilling. Like I'm I'm willing to do it. Maybe in a
1: that uh, even actually, then it's a
0: last resort for me. Like like. I've never been in a bar fight right and and there's no Dude, that's on
1: my bucket list.
0: there's no rules though it's like someone could shank you someone could take this if, yeah. like say this is a beer glass hit you over the oh, head 100%. with it and uh, so I, I try to avoid those situations but at some point right there's you could say there's people who are athletic and then there's people who fight and if you fight and you're not athletic oh, you're gonna have a bad. <laughs> like, because there's going to be people who are athletic and yeah. they train well, yeah. and they will whoop your ass. Well,
1: yeah, but that's going to be like every that's going to be at everything you do, though. Like, like yeah, but
0: with golf, it's like they're not hitting you in the face. <laughs> True. Like, True. This athletic guy yeah, might I mean, have a like, better score than me. <laughs> and he's not on top of me.
1: <laughs> like, right. Yeah, but also, too, like, that's one of the nice things that is that, like, martial arts it's one of those things that skill can beat power okay yeah every time
0: yeah that's true i I think it's just scary when i would say that the guys who are at the top who are powerful and skilled and those guys are killers like yeah,
1: but then but but it's also different too because like you like look at different fighters like look at a like prime example is uh, conor mcgregor mm-hmm. he comes in hard and fast every time but that's just the way his body's designed and he's just going to naturally gas out there's like there's he- stuff he can do but like right. you once your body's designed to go a certain speed it's kind of designed to go a certain speed like mine as much as i like to try and like push myself to be a volume person mm-hmm. i'm not but like if I decide to like set at a pace, I could do that pace all fucking day. You know what I mean? But like I can't like yeah. I can't try and go faster than that pace because I'm just gonna die. But like if we're moving at the pace that I want to fucking move, then you can stay. We're gonna be there all day.
0: Huh. Well, and so this was your first one, right? How long had you been training before this?
1: Uh like technically I've been doing MMA training uh on and off since uh, I joined the army in 2009. I went to like the first level mm-hmm. of army combatives. Uh, I think I even got to the second level. I don't remember. I think I did a second level. And um, I started training at different like jujitsu and Muay Thai gyms around here. My favorite one was Warrior. I used to train under a uh, former UFC fighter and like this little dude from fucking Thailand. Okay. Like he was 5'2, <clears throat> 62 years old. Barely 100 pounds, but he would like roast motherfuckers, but he could also just like fuck you up. Like he just blocked one of my kicks one day, and I was yeah. like, Ow. like, how? Like, damn. Like when we would right. we doing ab exercises, he would just like walk around and like if he liked you, he'd stomp on you. If he wanted you to get better, he'd walk on your chest stomach. So like he'd just walk around instead of walking around like the students and oh we we're doing like leg God. kicks, we'd have to be doing flutter kicks, and he would just like walk up and step on your stomach to go over you. Where you're like, oh, you strong, ball strong. <laughs> yeah, I well, loved it. <laughs> so
0: you did that, and then,
1: uh, but I have I have, like preparing for the fight. Mm-hmm. All I was doing was uh, standing, clench work, and like just boxing and uh, Muay Thai training, just because like I didn't think that I'd be. I didn't think I was going to be going against someone as experienced uh, like that. Right, I, right. I, think I was expecting to go against someone who thought they were just going to brawl it out with me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I thought that yeah. I'd let
1: my past history enough with the ground game would be good enough, which it just, it just wasn't. And, but it wasn't so bad that like, I was just getting demolished. It was just like dumbass. If you would have like, you know, practice that could have went to the third round. Could have went to decision. You know what I, yeah, mean? Like, I mean? it was, it was like, your first one though. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: The first one is I mean, if your first one's your best one, that's worse. I think <laughs> so like that right? means you have a real problem. Your first one against someone who like I don't know who the guy was cancelled, oh, no, but li- oh, yeah, I
1: don't know who he canceled either. But have maybe he's beat a, the he's guy, a guy who canceled. Canceled. He's a solid ground and pound.
0: And he's done eight of these. So I got that one yeah. and lost yeah. one, right? Yeah. I mean, what if he was four and four, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Now, now that uh, everyone understands the, <laughs> the the black eyes, right? Um, man, I, I, I guess I say I commend you for that. Like, I, I couldn't oh, imagine.
1: You. Well, like, see, that's my thing. Is like, I've always been a scrapper. Like, even growing up, like, I got in a fist fight with my cousins. I got in a fist fight with my female cousin. I've got my ass kicked by some of my female cousins. I watched two of my cousins, brothers and sisters. They're about like, they're less than a year apart. That's how my family. Mm-hmm. And they got into a fist fight. Their older siblings separate them. She walks out of the house, comes in the back door to come up behind him from the back room and sucker punch. Him. That's the kind of family environment I grew up. Like we grew up fighters. Like we are warriors to the T. And like the, like the worst part is like that level of like bullshit we did to each other. Imagine if you fucked with one of us. Like, that's how we rolled. Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean. So my willingness to just be like, I'm a fucker, let's throw hands. Well, I've gotten me out of so many fights because people were just like, what do you mean? I'm like, you said you wanted to go. We got nothing but space and opportunity. <laughs> right, right, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess that's one way because uh, when I was younger, I would get in a lot of fights, but that stopped. There was a particular time in high school where um, basically... I was a late bloomer. So was my brothers. And so I joked that I hit puberty all the time. But at Sorry, some point we got... My hair. This oh, is like man. a week.
1: This is like a week.
0: Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> um, we got old enough to where we could really hurt each other. And my mom said, if this continues, one of you is not going to live here anymore. And it was like, oh, I think she's serious. And uh, after that, that was it. Like, I did not get into... I have not had a single physical confrontation as an adult, and I'm yeah. terrified of it because no one wins, right? Like if it's, if it's yeah. on the street and there's stories, man, I've heard a story of a guy who got hit, right? He happened to be a boxer, so he knows how to hit people. He gets hit, he turns around, and he catches a guy in the chin. The guy falls and hits a flower bed, hits a brick on his temple, right? Killed him. He got six years because someone hit him right imagine yeah. if i hit you and you just <laughs> right and then got six years and uh the flip side yeah. is hey you could be the one just getting demolished right yeah. or you know you hit somebody and oh it turns out he has four friends i don't care how good you are at mma like it has four people maybe they have a weapon well, you're so in that's trouble
1: that's when you just escalate the level of violence instead of you just trying to <laughs> instead of you just knocking him out it's just like oh first friend that comes in with like the throw punch first move is just dislocate his elbow i guess, him, you know
0: how yeah if you have the skill
1: yeah i mean my first move would be for kicking knees fuck it like if i'm trying to catch punches i'm not that skilled i'm saying you could i'm not that good right just fucking straight stomp fucking knee <laughs> next yeah. one up stomp his knee <laughs> And you just keep stopping these till no one's standing in front of you. Yeah. Then see, no one dies. And you still win. I guess, yeah. And then they can't really do anything for trying to jump you because all you did was defend yourself and all you did after capacitating them was move on <laughs> to the next one. So it wasn't yeah. like, you didn't even assault them back. Well, okay, I'm so... I don't recommend street violence. I don't. But yeah. I mean, like, if you have to do it, it's better that you know how to do it. Well, and I guess you
0: you've done training for roughly 12 years and managed to avoid a street fight right yeah yeah like
1: that's the funny thing is all of my fights like all of my tough guy shit that i always talk about mm -hmm. like the street fights and shit that i got into was all before i started training
0: because i think the maybe the best benefit of training is becoming aware of when shit's about to go down and even just the body language of like okay i'm gonna go this way
1: even then it's more of like knowing what the fight over and when to pick a fight like which like is of, often
0: nothing yeah.
1: <laughs> right well like one of my favorite stories and it involves my grandmother she, like she was picking me up from a school dance and as i was like going up to her car all i said was like hey hold these i gotta go do something and i threw my book like i threw my book bag and like my jacket in her car and ran to her and i heard her like how one was like you better not be kidding in the no fight and then like literally like as i was running up there I actually stood between my friend and another guy who was at who were like getting ready to fight as like the teachers were coming. Out. I'm like, God, there's no point fighting. Like, what? What's the point? Like, oh, so I stopped them. I pulled my friend out of that fight to make sure there wasn't a fight, and like that was me at like sixth grade. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's knowing right. when that you need to fight. In my opinion, is more than anything. De escalating yeah. from a
0: young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah man.
0: Yeah, it's funny because. Uh, When I was, I guess I was five, right? And uh, there was some like back to school night or something, Um, very young, right? And I ran up to my mom and I said, mommy, mommy, the black boy hit me. And then my mom and this guy who was a black dad looked at each other, like gave each other a stank. eye, like nasty look. And then um, I was like, no, it was the boy wearing a black shirt right he didn't have black skin he was a kid wearing a black shirt and then the adults were like oh (laughs) (laughs) like, oh we were wrong like typical kitchen like whoops you know this wasn't me like being enlightened it was like that was I was like which kid hit me the kid wearing the black shirt okay he's a black boy right and then the then they're like looking at each other and and, uh yeah I mean kids I think often have good instincts right or like you say there's a bad kid and usually bad kid is a kid with a bad parent who learns from the parent and copies them and they're the bad kid it's like well where did you learn this oh, at home <laughs> oh
1: yeah well like i actually had a discussion with that about like uh this guy that i used to serve in the army with who's very like alt-right politically and he's like all on board with like the Te- texas abortion ban and like one of our other buddies shared to me that was talking about like, well, you know, since like it's six weeks now is where the heartbeat's at. Can I put a life insurance policy on this fetus? Do I get to start collecting child support? Right, yada, right, yada, yada yada. And he made a comment about like uh, it was uh, about like single motherhood or whatever could be solved by marriage. And I'm like, you know, just because you have a kid with someone doesn't mean you want to be stuck with them. And I was, and I was just like, and uh, shit, I forget where I was going with it. We're talking about kids, and it's.
0: I mean, being solved by marriage, it's like, uh, oh. there's plenty of people in terrible
1: marriages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're going. Like, it's just like a solution. And like he, made a and he made a comment. And he made a comment. He was like, well, uh, I'm not the one who's always making comments about it. I don't see his kid enough. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm always like saying I don't see my kid enough, but I never complain about how much I sacrifice for my kid because that's what parents fucking do. And also right. at the same note. If you want to talk about the statistics of fatherless homes, when they say fatherless homes, they mean there's no male role model at all. And you also want to talk about statistics. Look at uh, the domestic violence rate in, in places where divorce is illegal. Like when you can't get a divorce, domestic violence goes up. What happens to the domestic violence household? The child also becomes a piece of shit because all they know is fucking violence. It's a fucking do if you're damned, do if you don't. So the best solution is let people make the decision for themselves.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um rant over well it's like i mean there's there's truth to it like oh single motherhood can be solved by forced marriage it's like there there are solutions that might be better you know like hey um like just because you can doesn't mean you should you know i mean yeah. i i think that's it's a bad argument for like a lot of reasons but um Yeah. I I don't, I don't think we need to construct why that's a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. No, Um,
1: I mean, like, I feel like history's already proven
0: why that's a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, forcing people to stay together, you could say is, is just as bad or worse than forcing them to be apart. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think both involve coercion of like, Oh, Hey, you have to do this. Well, you know, obligation breeds resentment rather than, Hey, do you want to do this? Yes. Okay. We both enter this willingly. Great. Okay. The moment it turns into obligation, that's yeah. I oh mean, that's that's not so. Okay, I guess kind of a, a hard fork. That's maybe not so much hard fork. Um, you do the fighting, but then you also do the comedy stuff, right? The the yeah. first and only time I've ever done an open mic was because of you, I'm and <laughs> I think it's I funny because more- no, it's all good, man. Um, both comedy and fighting can seem offensive but i think both are actually i'll call them societal tools for de-escalation right because everyone who's a martial arts master is the last person who's going to start a fight right and at the same time the comedians are the people who point out the stuff we do that makes no sense the stuff we do that's collectively stupid and they use comedy as a tool which is basically i would call it de-escalation training right i mean that that might be a stretch but like no, I can see They that. allow us to talk about stuff yeah. we otherwise couldn't.
1: Well, that's the thing too, is like it all yeah. I know it, it works because like you can use comedy for anything. Like, what's the number one thing that we're not the number one thing, but like what's one of the number one things that people will use comedy for? Like making people chill out, I guess. Well, like or, uh like cutting a bad situation, you know what yeah, I mean? Like de-escalation, yeah, yeah. That's right? what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like if yeah. everyone's like stressed out, everyone's like having a bad time someone's going to try and be that guy who's going to be like, ha ha. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, or like they'll able to like make you laugh at a topic that you didn't feel like you could laugh. At.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, Dave, Dave Chappelle changed my views on the abortion debate. <laughs> and I kid you not. I love um Dave is the goat. It's because I think he, there, there was this, Magical space. Something happens when, let's say, you, you enter a comedy club, or you know it's going to be edgy. Like, okay, I might get offended, but it might be funny at the same time. Oh, so okay, we'll see
1: what happens. I love social anxiety. Like, I, like uh, correction. I don't like social anxiety myself. I like social anxiety in group settings. Like, I like it where everyone's like, this is kind of uncomfortable because then it's just like. Then we're all sharing in the uncomfort. Like everyone, you know what I right, mean? Like, right. so yeah. I like when everyone's just like, I don't know how I that, that. Like, bitch, we can laugh at that. Like, that's funny. We all were kind of like, Why? yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, well, I yeah. mean, like the, the abortion thing, right? With Dave Chappelle, he had some joke that's along, and I'll, I'll probably butcher it, but it's along the lines of the punchline is, if you can kill him, at least let me abandon him. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then yeah. it was like, but he is
1: correct well the best part about that joke is uh, during one of his last specials on Netflix Mm -hmm. he revisits that joke and goes like told you bitches look at all these abortion bills coming out y'all motherfuckers doubted me I told you this is what's gonna happen I did not know that Oh yeah, I was like you shit but like one of the things too that I love about comedians and I think that like and I think people are gonna find me crazy for this but I think comedians now, especially ones like Dave Chappelle, George Carlin, uh not uh fucking Kennison, like the people who like really change the game, the really change mm-hmm. like the way people view comedy or like view stand-up, like Richard Pryor, like uh those people are gonna be like the modern day philosophers, the ones that really attack like the way we as a society Dude, Joe I, Rogan has yeah. the
0: biggest media property in the world right now. He's yeah. a comic
1: yeah that's what i'm saying it's like comedians Mm -hmm. like when people in like 200 years look back at our time period they're gonna be like the philosopher comedian Chappelle said like
0: (laughs) yeah i mean jesters could speak truth to kings without getting their head knocked off no one else could do that it's like oh if i tell you the truth i'll just just kill you (laughs) right and the the comedian can tell the truth without getting killed and everyone's kind of like I don't know, but then they let it slide and then you go home and you think about it and you're like that's also uh, one of the other
1: right. That's one of the beauties about comedy is comedy's not funny unless it's true. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Like the joke has to have truth in it for it to be funny. Or it won't work, yeah. It'll flop. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's like that wow. kind of shit that you gotta think about. Like that's why, like my favorite, like I love uh doing stand-up where like i make you think that the punchline is going to be like this dirty raunchy thing and you're just like i can't believe he's about to say this and then i flip it on you and you're just like you son of a bitch i'm like yeah you're fucked up for thinking it aren't you like you know what i mean like i get the idea of the the crowd thinking something in their head and you're just like don't do it and then i don't do it you're just like you son of a bitch I can't believe you made me think that I'm like yes I did
0: the payoff yeah the payoff and the surprise at the end um well so why did you get into that or like what started you because I don't know I mean I guess I know some people that are into it and I've done some improv stuff but for the most part most people are just terrified of speaking in front of a group Like, oh, here's the deal. We're going to get microphones in public and we're going to talk. And they're like,
1: okay, no, (laughs) no, no, no. Like, like, I have no problem getting in front of people and talk. Like, I came in second place in my high school's talent show doing Stan High School. Like, that's how far back it goes for me.
0: Okay, so kind of at a young age. And then since then, you've just been still doing it, right? You still go to open mics?
1: I haven't gone uh, in like two or three years. Like, actually, I haven't gone since the last time we all went. Remember how we went to that one? So this was probably spring
0: 2019. 2019, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was it was 2019, so it's been almost two years, and that's mainly because of COVID. But right. Like, I'm trying to find some places in D.C. that are, if they're open back up and no one's returned my emails, Like I got, some, like, I got material I can't wait to fucking drop.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, I mean, it's... It's it's again like oddly like the fighting in that you have to be willing to step into the ring. It's not a ring, it's a stage. But when you are up there, everyone is looking at you, and you must deliver. You know, or you get booed. Like, how do you deal with bombing? Because that's I mean,
1: considering I uh, the only good set in my opinion I've ever had was the one I had in high school when I won second place. Uh, Right, right, (laughs) right. Uh, First, foremost, like just being confident in your shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like knowing your jokes, knowing how they're going to go. uh, Like, cause like, you never know what kind of crowd you're going to get. You never, cause like, that's the thing about comedy is when you go to a comedy show, like it's not like a basketball game where you're going to go see basketball. It's not like, hey, did you pay your $120 to go see the sports show? And you don't know if you're going to go see football, basketball, right. baseball, but with comedy, you like, you don't know who you're going to get. So like people will just show up on a Thursday night wanting to see comics and you can just piss someone off you know what i mean so it's like so what
0: do you what do you do when you bomb like just keep going home and cry or no i mean like after like like you uh, stand up for however long and
1: tank just blow it off and be like well that fucking just make fun like normally what happens when you bomb is you go back and hang out with the rest of the comedians and just make fun of yourself
0: okay and and then i guess you need you need to be anti-fragile right you yeah like
1: you gotta be resilient as fuck Cause like, I
0: mean, you, you do it once and then I could say for many people, it would be so horrible. They would never do it ever again.
1: See what I need to figure out. And my key is like, I need to figure out how I can go from killing at house parties where I can have like 15 to 20 people in a room, just paying attention to me as I talk and tell jokes and interact with people right. to transfer that energy on a stage. Cause like when you do open mics, it's still 15, 20 people, but like,
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's just like I can't get that same energy. Like I'm like what I like to do for comedy is like I like to crowd participate. Like I have the joke and how I want to go about the joke, but like in throughout the joke, I want to talk to the crowd that's reacting about it, get their opinion, what they think. You know what I mean? Because like I'm like to, I'm a talk, right, yeah, I'm a topic
0: comedian. Right. Andrew Schultz does that yeah. as far as I know. Like you know he's, he's great the, at it. He's yeah, he's fucking good at, at it.
1: Working the crowd. Yeah, like him and Russell Peters to me, I think, are the two best at crowd because Russell Peters' whole set is like him making, like, yeah, I have this, like, make a relative statement. And then whoever reacts to it, I'm like, oh, there's my people. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he used it as bait. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, yeah. or he'll just straight up be like, yeah, where are my Saudis at? And he will just start ripping on Saudi people for like 20 minutes. He's like, don't you laugh, you other people. I'm going to come at you next. And he'll start making fun of Indian people. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. So it all depends on how you get to like work the crowd or how you do it. And so, but and some comedians don't even like that. Like some comedians won't work the crowd. They won't interact with the crowd. They hate Some people the crowd. say it's
0: cheap, but yeah. also I fucking love it. making part- material. Takes time and it's hard. Yeah. I mean, well, to talk for an hour. As far as I know, most comics it takes them a couple of years to make a one hour yeah, special. Yeah, Joe
1: Rogan says he does. Uh, it takes two years to do one. And these uh, are
0: world class people. Yeah, these are the
1: killers. The top of the line. It takes two years an hour. And yeah. Like, and like I'm happy with like. My three jokes that kill for five minutes, like you know what right, I mean? Like, right. like I, yeah. ha- I have some jokes I feel like would just fucking slay. Yeah, but like, I just I don't know, especially in like DC, because like right. my whole thing is like I'm. I'm uh, good segue is, I'm sticking with the American shaman theme because it's something that came to me just like naturally through my life. Like growing up, I kind of got bit like when I was going to church with my gram or grandmothers and everything like that. I got real big in the church and like wanted to be like. Uh, a spiritual leader and shit like that. But then I got disillusioned with Christianity. Right. right. And then like right. just kind of got like disillusioned with like trying to like be a spiritual leader for people. And then like it just kept happening. Like, people like friends and family, like, hey, can I talk to you? Hey, uh, you're really good at advice. Can you tell me And like they would just keep coming to me advice and sit like that? And then it just kind of like dawned on me that this just might be my role, that it's just like. Naturally, mm. to help people, right? And like the idea, and one of the things I want to do with like calling it like an American chum is that like culturally and spiritually, that's who I am. That's who my people are. You know what I mean? So the idea right. is that like through the, the traditions and the statements that are supposed to be who we are as like a people and a nation, like we the people for the people by the people, that kind of shit mm-hmm. is kind of like where I want to go with like like kind of like like I guess like my comedy my spiritual presence like even my other podcast because like i have a warrior i have a another i have a podcast called like uh the warrior's garden by presented by shaman sean you know what i mean and the idea is about like uh some of the things and tricks that i've learned to help me fundamentally as a person become a better person and it's based on the ancient chinese proverb uh i think we talked about on the last podcast where there was a once there was a master. Like a, There was a, a general or like, a, like, you know, like an ancient wise master okay. uh, teaching his students, and uh, he always taught them every day as they walked through a garden. And one day, one of his students asked, Master, why do you always teach us of war while we walk through a garden? And the master responds, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than it is to be a gardener in a war. Oh, it's the
0: name warrior's garden. Yeah. And my idea
1: is, and the idea is that if you take the principles that make you a warrior and you apply them to everyday life, it makes life a garden.
0: Okay. I could see that. So it sounds like your, I guess, shamanic practice has been with you since you were very little. And then also. There's this idea I like, which is, oh, the universe is just beating you over the head with a stick. Where it's yeah. like, hey, you can choose to ignore <laughs> this, and it's just gonna keep jabbing you, and jabbing you. And well, jabbing like the funny you. thing
1: is, like, the more and more I ignore it, the worse and worse like my life gets.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's kind a sign. Of, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, <clears throat> I'm curious. Like, what what could you do, right? Or well, or, like
1: my goal and uh, that I eventually want to do is and it's it's gonna take a lot of work but i at least want to get like eventually want to get a master's degree in therapy mm-hmm. and use a combination of uh like physical exercise meditation and like legit therapy like you know like like uh because like with the idea of the war's garden i have this idea that to become a perfect like to become your perfect self or the best version of yourself the three parts of you have to be aligned, and your three parts are your mind, your body, and your spirit. Mm-hmm. And the way that works is, I came up with a mantra that goes with it. Where, uh, and I learned this from. You're gonna uh, tell us the mantra, right? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> actually, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This, this mantra came from uh, my drill sergeants actually when I was in basic training. and okay. it was one day we were all getting smoked, and that means we we're all doing push-ups. We we're all doing sit-ups. Like they were making us sweaty, gross, nasty, breaking us down. build us back up and uh, he was going in like one day like i I just remember this distinctly he was walking through us as like we were doing flutter kicks or something and he was like gentlemen i want you to know your bodies are weak your bodies are soft they will always be hungry they will always be tired they will always want to complain but your mind your mind is strong your mind is firm in its decisions your mind tells your body when it gets to eat when it gets to sleep and when it gets the piss, never listen to your body, always listen to your mind. And like, I just like, I will always remember that. And it made me kind of like, just like meditating on it, like while working out and stuff like that and by meditating, I mean, like I'm doing like pushing myself, you know what I mean? Like I do meditation through mm-hmm. physical labor. Like I can't sit there and meditate right. properly. Right. I'm one of those people who meditates by like doing jumping jacks, mm-hmm. doing ju- the rope. Like that's how I meditate. And I was thinking on that. And then like, I was struggling to like, I think it was bench press. I was struggling to put it back up and it just like hit me. It was like, your mind does it, your body, uh, hold on, wait, your mind wills it, your body does it, your spirit believes it. So the mind does it? No, no, no. The mind wills it. The mind wills it, it, the body
0: does it, the spirit believes it. Yeah, And if the spirit doesn't believe it, well, the body won't do
1: it. Well, the the point is that like, It's, it's a thing that builds into itself. Like the the way with the warrior garden, the easiest and best place to start is your mind because your mind's the one thing that like, even though you like, you can't control it, you still can like for like, and I'm going to trigger so many fucking people with this, but like when it comes to like anxiety and depression, you have control. You don't have total control, but you have control. Like your depression's making you sit in bed all day. Okay. Okay Will make yourself get up. You have that power. You just choosing not to do it. Your anxiety is making you too scared to do something. All right. Well, which one is it? Is it in your anxiety or is it going to be your, uh, is it going to be you doing it? So the idea and concept is, is like you take control of what you can control and you will your body to do the things that you want to do it. And once your body starts going through the motions and learning how to do it, It's going to memorize it. It's going to become a memory to it. So your body's just going to continue to do it without you thinking about it. And once you no longer have to think about doing that thing, your mind is free to do other things.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the idea that inspiration leads to action, but the turnaround is action leads to inspiration, right? Or one of the definitions of passion that I like is we are passionate about that which we do often. Right. It's like, oh, why are you passionate about this? Because I've done it 8,000 times, <laughs> right? That's what passion is. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I, I mean, about that triggering thing, right? Because I think to stay with that for a bit, there's people who might interpret that incorrectly, but basically I, I would say to, to take it for face value or to take it for its intent, there's a victim culture right now. I think yeah. right now we live in a victim culture, which is constant messages of disempowerment constant messages that you can't do stuff. And the only way out of that is to take responsibility, which is separate from blame, right? Responsibility is separate from blame. And once you take full self-responsibility, you can then choose how to act, right? Responsibility, ability to respond, right? The ability to respond to your depression, to your anxiety. Because I think what, what people might miss is, it's not about not being anxious. It's not about not being depressed. It's like, okay, you're depressed. Now what? Right. Yeah. You have your depression and now you have a choice. What is your choice? Right. And the choice can be well, stay in bed, get up, etc. cetera. Yeah.
1: And, and what even goes beyond that for me is it's like, do you have the choice of being depressed or do you do something? Else? You know what I mean? Like when I get right. like my worst depressed states, I will physically make myself go do the things that I used to enjoy doing like Mm -hmm. i'll even like half-ass like i'll go to the gym and do like three exercises and go but i forced myself to go i didn't want to go right like shit like that but like it's also too like like you were saying like it's a victim culture but i don't think it's so much as like a victim culture is i think that we are in a terrible transition as a species because we're still stuck in our animal bodies Mm -hmm. but we no longer live in an animal world so that anxiety of having to like Run away from predators ain't there. You know what I mean? Like we don't have that fight or flight response anymore in our nervous system. And this is just my opinion. Right. Isn't like, isn't like it's our brains are evolving to observe our universe faster than our bodies can handle the observations.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. There's a, there's a book called the coddling of the American mind right, and uh i don't I don't know that that's the exact same, but basically, our physical environment has changed a lot, and we're mostly sedentary, right? Yeah. and at least in the United States, right? Mostly sedentary, mostly overweight. and you can honestly say that because more than half of the country is overweight. and people are, as far as I understand, more depressed and anxious than ever. Right. And this coincides with this massive disconnection from the natural world. Right. And um, just simple things. Right. Really simple is uh, I walk usually in the mornings. Right. And now I see kids going to school on these electric scooters. right? Right. And you could say, oh, that's such a small thing. But just when I was a kid, right. It was okay. You'd maybe have the bus, you'd maybe have a car, you'd maybe walk. Or if there was some form of locomotion, it was usually a bicycle, which was powered by you, not by a battery. Right. right? And now even the kids who are outside are getting the outside time, it's morphed, it's changed, it's different. Or you go in public and everyone's like, let me stir in my phone, right? There's the self-checkout. You know, there's Starbucks mobile order. I go to Starbucks, most of the people ordering in there. leaving their house and coming and getting something and then they're walking out and i'm like the coffee's not even that good i mean it's i i go there because i like to be i call it alone with people i like to be alone with people like i'll go and i'll do my thing but i'll have these minor small human nuggets right of interaction and, dude, those are an endangered species. Like, those are going away. I'm, I'm and... not going to
1: lie. There are sometimes I'm out in public. Mm-hmm. I'll have my headphones in mm-hmm. just to, like, see how the people are around me. Like, a lot of people listening to anything. I just want to, like, I just people watch and listen.
0: Yeah. Well, because the headphones are a don't-talk-to-me signal. Yeah. But if you're not listening to music, then you can observe yep. them. And, uh, I mean, it's it's weird. And, and like, with the masks... I have a lot of situations now where I'll see people alone on the sidewalk with their mask on and I'm like, or you see someone driving alone in a car and I don't understand that. Like, even if you think they work and they have all this efficacy, I'm not, I'm not getting into do they work or not work, but I'm like, when you're 30 feet
1: away, yeah
0: oh no that i don't Well, like the moment i found get.
1: out that like sunlight killed the coronavirus i was like i'm not wearing a mask outside anymore like
0: <laughs> right right
1: and, like if it dies the moment it leaves my mouth if we're outside what do we need a mask for
0: yeah well and it's just this disconnection right because if i if i can't see you okay. then how am i supposed to know what you're saying without your words, like right? with your facial expressions.
1: True. But I'm not going to lie though. I do kind of like this six feet roll. Cause I've always hated motherfuckers standing up behind me in line while I'm like waiting to go. Like, can you just back up two fucking feet? Just right. back up one step homie. Just one step. Right. They're going to be right on me. Yeah. So if we could keep that. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and I think it's, it's not, it's not just a COVID thing. Right. I mean, Mobile yeah. order and pay was a pre COVID thing. It's a COVID thing. It'll be a post COVID thing. COVID, I think accelerated a lot of this, but it is weird in that um, this is one that I've noticed, right. When I would say when my mom was a kid, not so much when I was a kid, but when my mom was a kid, most families that had dogs, the dogs had a dog house or the dog had a steak, right. Yeah. And a string, you know, and it was an outdoor animal and to have the dog allowed in the house, was unusual now if you have an outdoor dog you're a criminal you know you're treating that animal terribly and it's like like dogs did not evolve in people's homes they evolved around humans but but not
1: inside people realize that that uh i'm gonna be like an asshole for saying this but like animal lives and situations are just as valuable as humans like i'm not gonna lie like while yeah. he was alive, if it was uh-huh. a choice between like saving some random human and him, right. I'm gonna right. look at that person every time and be like, "Sucks to be you, homie," and just yeah. walk away with my dog. Like, well, <laughs> and I'll say though, it fucking matter. but
0: the the thing is, it's selective, right? Because I think, and it's it's never good to speak for all people, but you could see we have this thing with dogs, right? And and tons of people like pay for dog surgery, right? And many of these same people that pay for this dog surgery. We'll just eat
1: chicken all the time. It's like, do you know what we do to chickens? Like, have you seen? I what am against. To them? I am against factory farming. Right. But I am not against eating meat. <laughs> Let the chicken run around and be right. a chicken before I uh, get them cut. up. Before you do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like as you guys can see behind the bow behind me, procuring food is uh it's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess it's a it's an interesting thing, right? Because. I'm trying to like deconstruct this and there's, there's a lot of ways we could go with this. So on the one hand, you have people who are increasingly treating animals like humans, right? <laughs> you have some parts of the world where they treat humans inhumane, right? In or inhumane ways, right? And then you have situations like factory farming where the treatment of animals seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And all of these are happening at the same time in this giant fucked up soup that we call the earth. Oh yeah. Right. And it's not just as simple as animals are getting better treatment or animals are getting worse treatment. It's like, Oh, in certain cases. Yes. Like both. Yeah.
1: It depends on the type of animal.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, like in a hundred years, horses went from like something you need to survive to a luxury item.
0: Right. Right. One, I guess what we're seeing is, It sounds messed up to say, but like I honestly think it's true is um we're getting hyper efficient at raping the planet. You know, like let's say at some point most of our ancestors, when they were eating meat, it was via hunting.
1: Yeah. Right. They didn't have
0: pens. And then at some point we got pens, we got livestock, and then the current state, right? (laughs)
1: Like you just said is
0: know these massive they call them factory farms right just think about that those are those are
1: creatures in there and you're you're, all of the things is you're manufacturing food soil and green is people
0: yeah yeah and and you have that and then that coincides with this increased compassion for animals right so it's like we're trending towards torture and then we're trending towards compassion at the same time right and it's weird to think about that, well, but I mean, I mean,
1: like, it's not though, because if you look at it this way, in the circle of life, she's gonna get eaten, <laughs> right? So, right. like, it's not like it's not like we just decided one day that everything was herbivores, and then we we're just like, you know what? Let's just start eating meat. We were already eating meat, right? We're just trying to find better ways that the animal has a nicer life before we decide that we got to eat it. <laughs>
0: But that coincides with the whole, like, treating house pets like they're royalty. That's what I think is weird, right? Is there's people that...
1: We we treat animals based on their usefulness. The dog... Oh,
0: utilitarianism. Yeah, the dog
1: helped us rule the fucking world. You know what I mean? Like, we use them to hunt, we use them to herd, we use them for fucking everything. They are Mm -hmm. literally our best friend. Humans, uh, like, the way way humans and us and our society reproduce... We are more similar to wolves and dogs than any other animal because each one starts with a mating pair and then the family disseminates from there. What about apes? Apes are usually uh, harems. Got it. Or bonobos. Yeah.
0: So apes tend to not pair bond?
1: Nope. Apes will have one male alpha male that does most of the breeding with the females and other males that he'll allow the uh, mate. Normally, usually bonobos. bonobos Fuck everything, man. Oh well, yeah, bonobos just have orgies. They're yeah. fucking weird ass. Like,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, some people say that we're more like them,
1: but, but yeah, I'm saying I mean, like the way they do family structure. Like, you know how the story of the alpha male and the alpha female and the wolf and a wolf pack. Right. That's the breeding pair. That's the mom and the dad. Everyone else is usually mom dad or is either the a sibling or a mm-hmm. descendant of the breeding pair or a sibling of the pair.
0: Okay. Well, and so I, I guess what's interesting is like if you think about. If you think about like how we treat the animals from a utilitarian perspective, like it it sounds really fucked up and I think it is, but it also makes sense, right? And I think most of the time, the people who are getting their dog surgery while eating a bunch of chicken sandwiches aren't aware of how the chickens are getting treated, right? Or they're, they're disconnected from that process. Um, and I think if you're connected to that process, you're either going to treat your dog differently or you're going to treat the chickens a lot differently. But you you can't go back. Well, yeah. Well, look at,
1: look at how the, like, small farmers, like, people who have chickens, like, look how they treat their chickens. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, people in, like, low, rural areas that are allowed to have, like, small livestock, like, chickens and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, they usually treat their chickens good as shit. They get to run around. They get, like, not like, real good feed. And then, when you know, it's time to go. It's time to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm curious. I'm like, Oh, I need to have somebody who's a farmer on the show. I actually thought of thought of getting a guy who does um, the guy who was on Joe Rogan, um, Joel Salatin. Yeah. I met a guy who worked with him and um, I want to interview him because it is weird. I mean, it's really weird when you think about it, how it's called speciesism, right? Just like all these isms that are, that are prejudice and discrimination. um, (coughs) Speciesism is discriminating on the basis of species right usually we do that as humans are the top right but then it's not quite a everyone else right for example just about everybody has strong prejudice against insects right especially nasty ones like mosquitoes and spiders well first of all
1: mosquitoes have like no purpose none like what what is our purpose I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> the so we're the mosquitoes to Earth. We're the mosquitoes to Earth. We just suck shit out and then we right. go to the next spot. Suck right. shit out. Like, you no, know, what I'm just saying? Is like, most bugs, like spiders, spiders have an ecological presence and actually do something in the uh, fucking ecosystem. If you removed mosquitoes, nothing will happen.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. Um,
1: nothing. The uh, fish would still eat other bugs.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean... I'm not sure what would happen if we removed all the mosquitoes, but I think it's an experiment that has a lot of risk. If the dragon
1: balls are real, that would I waste my one dragon ball with like, no more mosquitoes. But even spiders,
0: right? If you say, oh, spiders have a purpose. There's tons of people who are afraid of spiders and then others who insist upon killing them at their every choice.
1: Well, yeah, those people, and, you know, even though I'm friends with most of them. Right. Those people suck.
0: Well, it's it's just weird because we have that and then... Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it depends on, um, on, on how people describe their own beliefs. It's just something that I think is really weird about humans. It's like how we have this one super messed up tendency alongside this other compassionate oh, tendency, well, all in the same people, person bees,
1: like how we treat bees versus how we treat like wasps and hornets, like hornets and wasps are kill on sight. We're like, Oh, little friend b you go pollinate a flower like yeah. you
0: know what i mean like, yeah yeah and that makes like no sense i mean i guess there are explanations for it or we uh anthropomorphize them basically yeah. the ones that look more like us we think are more pretty like mammals yeah versus reptiles it's like oh they're cute and fluffy versus hey they kind of smell bad and they're cold-blooded right and when we say cold-blooded usually it's it's an insult yep Right. Or it's a compliment in that someone's a killer, <laughs> which is also well, I mean, kind of. An like insult like at the same
1: reptiles- time. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen like, or, or like, are there any like reptiles that are just strictly vegetarians? Cause like all reptiles have to murk something else to eat. Don't they?
0: I don't know. I mean, just thinking right this second.
1: Cause like my turtles <laughs> ate bugs and goldfish. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, they Eat all kinds of. Weird I've stuff. never heard of a vegetarian Dude, Alligators, like, as far as I know, eat rocks to aid digestion.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, whereas with us, you have a kidney stone, you have a problem. Well, that's
1: because we have it's because of our teeth, it's, right?
0: Right, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I guess that's an interesting question, right? And, and it circles back to the shamanism, which is, um, have you heard of Weston Price? No, so my understanding is Weston Price is this guy and um, I'm reading his book from 1938. So it's kind of an old book, but basically it's called nutrition and physical, either degradation or degeneration. I don't remember which, and he just went around the world and he studied all the indigenous cultures, right? All the native cultures. And he found, was he the
1: guy that developed the blue zones?
0: I don't think so. Um, Yeah, I know. I know know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know if he developed that, but basically he studied all of them. And or or many, I shouldn't say all of them, but many and all of the meat, right? In some form or capacity, all of them ate meat. And as far as I know, he was hoping that some of them were vegetarian, right? Because he was a spiritual person and, yep. and had done some vegetarianism in his own life and was really hoping he could find some evidence and be like, this is correct, right? And just didn't find that evidence. So I guess the, the real question is, you know, you could you could say as a shaman or just as a human being, right? Um, some people would say there's just a, the answer is no. But like, is there a humane way to eat animals? Or so I guess the questions are: Is there a humane way to eat animals? If so, what is that way? And then for normal people,
1: do you mean like a humane way to kill them?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's a it's a big question, right? Because there's there's how they've lived then there's how they die, right? And as far as I know with the factory farms, many of them are killed in what is maybe a humane seeming way, but their lives are totally inhumane, right? Whereas for hunting, you might think of it as the opposite where it depends, it depends on the type and kind of hunting, but you have yeah. this animal that's chilling out in the forest for its entire life, it is free, and then maybe it gets sniped in, right? Or maybe it catches an arrow, right? And it bleeds out over 45 minutes and it's screaming, running away. You know, that would, that would be a terrible way to die, I think.
1: But, but it'd also be a lot better way than being killed by any animal or nature that would kill them.
0: Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, what's crazy? As mountain far lions, as I know.
1: mountain lion will grab a deer by the back of the neck and bite down the crush its spine. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it can't get the throat, it'll go for the spine so it can't move and then it'll eat it while it's alive.
0: Yeah, I was going to just say that, like, the the thing that I think people forget about nature.
1: Bears will hold things down anymore. Bears will
0: not kill it. They will
1: just pin you to the ground. They don't
0: separate the act of mealtime (laughs) from whether or not the creature that's being consumed is alive. Yeah. Right. Whereas for some reason, we think, okay, in order for us to kill it or in order for us to eat it, we must kill it. That might just be due to logistics. Well, yeah, like that's the, <laughs>
1: right. That's the transition I'm talking about from like the animal brain. It's like, well, we gotta kill it to like, right? Like, I'm not gonna lie. I'd eat cloned meat if you could like clone just a chunk of prime rib. Like, if you could just clone that piece of meat off the cow and just be like boom, and I right. like taste just like it, and I could get the exact same nutrition, I'd be totally cool. eating cloned meat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who think that, and the the question I have is can we be sure? And that's the big unknown is, hey, is the lab grown meat as good as the wild meat? And, uh, I I would say there's probably stuff that many of us don't know, or don't understand about animals in the wild and and how they live. Um, but so like, what is your, I'll call it, um, like, like, what do you eat in terms of meat? Or like, are you particular about like, how the animal's treated or not or it's just kind of standard American diet if or... I
1: like tr- when I'm grocery shopping I try to buy free range if I can right uh, I don't have that luxury of choosing that kind of shit when I go out to eat right <clears throat> but uh I prefer not to eat any baby animals you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. I don't do veal I don't do lamb chops right like let the animal grow up you know what right. I mean uh, but like there's there's not an animal that's there's not a yeah there like there's no animal that we already consume that's not off the table you know what I mean like chicken pig right uh, cow all right. the standard all the standard meats yeah them yeah right there. yeah
0: and I mean I think we're probably at a similar spot because
1: and all the wild ones too and if 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 you can shoot it in the wild fucking I'll eat it
0: right yeah because I I went uh. I went deep sea fishing like mid July. And while I was doing that at the end of the night, um, they're saying something about squids. And I was like, Oh, I've never caught a squid before. And it was like, Oh, you haven't? Well, we'll get one and caught a squid and it was squealing. And man, I did not like that. I really <laughs> didn't like it because we weren't catching it oh, to eat it. It not
1: really squealing
0: no the squid squealed it was like ee! and um it felt fucked up because we weren't gonna eat it and i was like this is wrong maim it yeah that's how we caught it and uh it, it got maimed and then uh also like catching a bunch of bait fish it was like oh we just caught so many and killed them and this was to try to catch a tuna and um like, if, if we caught the tuna, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Like, it's lived its life in the ocean. We've caught it. Now it will go in as food. In all fairness, uh-huh.
1: the ocean is a whole other level of gangster that, like, I don't even really trust. Like, I'll go fishing, but, like, I ain't going deep-sea fishing. I ain't going fucking, uh like, like not, like... Right, right. Like, you know how you were talking to the top of the food chain and you were saying, like, humans are up there? Well, there's another animal, in my opinion, that sits right up there. And that's a that motherfucking orca and like the moment no we're not water creatures for sure no yeah that's what i'm saying like the moment that thing like the moment orcas decide that humans are on the menu we're done in the ocean like all pleasure of ocean stuff for humans gone because orcas would be like oh we just got to capsize the boat like and they're smart enough to fucking do it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah depending on the boat for sure yeah so i mean i think what's maybe it's not tricky because some people would say Oh, well, if you cared enough, you would blah, blah, blah. And I think uh, something I've wanted for a while. And as far as I know, this doesn't exist and it would need to be, I guess you'd call it localized, right? Is a, not like a Yelp or like a Google Maps, but let's say for someone like you or me who is like, okay, I'm not really down with the factory farming, but I also don't want to be vegan, right? Right. Yeah. how can I find responsibly raised? And, and, you know, maybe that's a loaded term, but animals that are treated well while they're yeah. alive. And then also animals that are killed ethically in a sourced. humane way. That's it's hard. One. Yeah. They call it ethically sourced. And the regular stores don't, they, they don't sell it. And uh, cause I bought meat on butcher box Right. A lot of people don't even know about Butcher Box at all, and then also, it's based expensive. on my exactly based on my understanding, it's expensive, and um, there's this privilege, right? It's like the organic food is expensive, and um,
1: which is funny because like that's how the food started.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man, I, I love this idea. It's like you should eat organic food, or as your grandparents called it, food, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well and it's like uh if if there's companies out there um I'd like to hear about them right. right and maybe maybe I could do more searching but this is a problem I see over and over and over and the, the there's some weird thing where the people I know who are really particular let's say the the vegans and then maybe the the high performance athletes is like they basically either spend a ton of time researching and thinking about what they put in their mouth and or a ton of money. Right. And for for the regular person, if they're like some regular person maybe um maybe watches like forks over knives on Netflix, and then they're like, okay, like I'm not gonna be vegan, but I don't like what they're doing to these chickens. Well, let me get a, a, a good chicken. Where? Like where do you even get that? How do you no. go about that? It's hard, you, it's you know? Hard. And then to be told you don't care enough, you're stupid, you're incompetent. And it's like, oh, I went to seven grocery stores and none of them had chickens that were raised humanely. Right? How many grocery stores am I supposed to go to,
1: right? Exactly.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm in suburbia or I'm in a city. Well, maybe you should live in the country. Well, it turns out there might not be jobs there, right? It's like people move to where the jobs are And that might not be where the food is because the city food is imported from the country. Right. I don't know anyone who lives in D.C. who has chickens. I don't even know if you're allowed to have chickens in D.C. Oh, right. I don't think you would be. So if you live in D.C. and you want chickens, right, I, I should say chickens that are treated humanely. How do you get them? Where do you get them? And I'm sure some people have their answers, but I would say it's absolutely inconvenient like it's not oh, easy yeah. it's, what it's you know. not what i would consider easy at all um okay is there do you, do you want to talk
1: about brazil yeah i want to okay. talk about your brazil trip okay that was well, hit to me talk about you all right so uh last time we talked you said you were going down to brazil to uh find yourself a wife right and that was pretty much like your end goal like okay. that was like the only thing you're like hey you know, i'm going to so, figure it out when i get down dude, there dude
0: let me um i'm just going to open the kimono on this and uh this is absolutely uh, weird. I'm very scared to talk about this. A lot of people do this. Yeah. So, so let me just explain. Okay. I went on a ayahuasca retreat in 2018. And on that time I had these visions or hallucinations of, of this woman who is a real person, right. Who I knew of, I didn't really know. Uh-huh. And I thought she was going to be my wife. Okay. But I didn't do anything. Right. I, I was just like, Oh, whatever. I'll sit with that. Then in 2020, I went on a vision quest, which was four days and four nights alone in the forest, no food, no water, nothing. Right. And again, um, they came back. Right. I, I would call it a vision. Um, and at that time, I decided, I was like, I don't know if this woman's going to be my wife, but I'm committed to finding out. I don't want to be an old person who wondered. I'll, I'll risk making a fool of myself. Right. Yeah. And, um, She's not my wife and the one who actually is my wife, right? She's, she's privy to this, but, um, it definitely presented, you know, a challenge in our relationship and an opportunity in our relationship because, um, first we, we have a open relationship, but that's totally separate from these visions I had. And and they were eating me alive also because my relationship was healthy, right? It, it, It feels right. It feels really healthy but this thing was nagging at me, you know? And I was like, I know if I don't try this, I couldn't live with myself. I I would. um, It's like, I don't know if it's a, it's a total man thing, but there's something. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, there's something about like, Hey, I have to go do this. Hey, I have to go try this where, why, where does it come from? I don't know, but I have to go try it. Right. And so in brazil i moved there with my now wife and again everything in our relationship was awesome and when we moved to brazil together i wasn't worried about our relationship at all like that that was the easy part and it's like whoa moving to another country with your partner and and that's the easy part like man you must have something really solid and we do we have something really solid but this thing was nagging me right and um so at some point was like hey honey like I have to try this, you know, I have to do this. And um, dude, I remember um there was like a couple of times where I said it or mentioned it, but one time where I said that and uh I felt so terrible. And I like went into the back room of the house and I was was crying like buck-ass naked on the tile floor. <laughs> and I was just sobbing. And um, so then basically we went to uh Rio together, me and my now actual wife, um, and it was, it was kind of weird and awkward for a little while. And we'd had like two separate Airbnbs. Cause I was like, Hey, like if, if I'm going to be like seeing some other lady, you know, I, that would feel rude to me to like share a space or share a bed. And then also as part of our open relationship, like um, I can date or see others. Right. And I mostly hadn't been because of COVID. So it was like kind of like a blend of that going on. And then what happened was I I reached out to this woman who would had the, the visions of through um I think it was like on Instagram or something and um ended up getting contact with her and um I was a total fucking buffoon. <laughs> like I think she has or had a boyfriend and wasn't interested at all. And um that was great. That that, that was great because uh it wasn't like I was devastated because I was I was totally open to looking like a jackass. Yeah. Right. That was on the table and it was like, Oh good. Like I look like a jackass. Okay. Let it be like, it it is what it is. And then that freed up so much space in my relationship. Right. Because that was this, um, it's like a nagging injury. It was like, Hey, like everything is good. And then it's like, Oh, this one thing is like, you know, maybe, um, not, uh, not settled right and again has nothing to do with my partner and it was like it it was a very weird thing because when i was younger um and many people do this it's incredibly stupid and juvenile when you're ready for a breakup you turn your partner into a monster so you can make it easier to leave it's like oh you're a you're a bitch you're an asshole you're this you're that and it's like oh of course it's easy to leave because he's an
1: asshole i can leave him i'm I'm so much the opposite like out of all my relationships Uh i've probably broken up with like three girls right so i just like become an asshole like i stopped texting them back as much i stopped returning you become that you turn yourself it's kind of the same yeah
0: you turn yourself into a monster yeah right yeah so it's um it's it's one of those things and uh this time was different because it was like look um you're not a monster i know you're not a monster you weren't a monster, you're not going to be a monster, but knowing that didn't make this vision go away. And, and where, I've, where I've come to peace with it or, or, or where I've settled it is, I think when I had these visions or these hallucinatory experiences, they were just thought forms. They're just thought forms that I assigned maybe an inordinate amount of weight or importance to. And because of that, um, they stayed with me much longer than, than like, oh, hey, I did this mushroom trip and I saw a unicorn. OK, whatever. Right. And um that like processing that for for lack of a better word um allowed me to sink much deeper into relationship. And I mean, it, it, it sounds cheesy, but it's, it's, it's also true. It's like my relationship is great. I have a great relationship with a great woman and I'm excited about like just being with her i'm excited about being with her and um that's awesome uh, i mean yeah th- that's awesome and uh we, we didn't get married in brazil but we did get a uh, stable union while i was there and then we got married um via the state of utah while i was back here because because then uh getting married when that i would call it became more real i'm I, when I felt the gravity of that decision, right, because it's yeah. a big decision, 1%.
1: Um,
0: so many things came up. One of them was, okay, well, if I have a wedding, there needs to be a guest list, right? And then I was thinking, this is stupid. I was like, this feels like some fucked up torture where it's like, here's the deal. You're going to have an event. You need to take an inventory of all your personal relationships and rank order them and invite people accordingly based on your financial capacity. I'm like, bro, we got the
1: 250 and what? that was just first cousins. Like on mine and her side of the family. When I, me when and my ex-wife were getting married and we we're making our guest list. we got the 250 people and it's, that was it's just nuts. including our first cousins. So that right. was
0: like, you invite hundred people then say, Hey, you can have a plus one. You have 200 Right. And so then, then that was on my mind a while. It was like, what do we do? Or is there another way? And then that has been kind of tabled and we thought, okay, well, what is our priority? Our priority is to co-locate. So I got residency in Brazil. We got married via the state of Utah and then we're in the green card process now. So she and I can locate in the same place. So and she's from Brazil. She's from Brazil. Okay. Yeah. But, but we dated here for about roughly a year and a half before. Um, and before we went to Brazil together. So another thing is well, like, when's the wedding? Right. That's like the classic question. Yep. And that made me really angry. Right. Because angry? B- because of the whole green card thing. Uh, it's like, it's not up to me. My own wedding is not up to me. That's fucking twisted. What do you mean it's not up to you? Well, you see, there's this thing called the United States government, and they've decided she can't be here until this paperwork gets filled out. Well, how long does that take? Well, you see, actually, it depends on which office you go to, right? The one in the Midwest is the fastest. There's one in Texas, and then California is a trash pile, right? They take like four times as long to process the forms. You don't get to decide which office your green card form goes to, right? So that brought me all kinds of anger, frustration, and sadness. No, you don't. You don't get to decide. Ours is in Texas right now. So I didn't want to field all these questions, right? Of like, oh, okay, let's say we got engaged and then people are like, cool, when's it happening? And I didn't want to have to say, I don't know, over and over and over and over and over and over. And uh also deal with criticism, right? My family can be incredibly critical and you should do this and you should do that. It's like you should shut up. Um, so what we did was We did the marriage, which allows us to be together. And then um, we're we're waiting on that. And then once we can be in the same place, then we'll start planning a more formalized in-person thing. Plus, because of COVID, you can't do a lot of in-person events right now. So even if we had planned something, it probably wouldn't have happened. And um, so basically the, the date for some sort of like traditional ceremony is is to be determined. And then also, I don't know if you know this, but the, the concept of an engagement ring is a scam created oh, by the beer company. Yep. 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 And yep. that is not something I believe Gentlemen,
1: in. like a hundred and some years ago, they used to have to give us shit to marry them. Remember that. Remember your work. <laughs> so bring back the dowry.
0: I was thinking about that <laughs> and then in the whole engagement ring thing and idea. And I thought, wait, why do people get engaged? And, and I still honestly don't get it or whatever the reasoning is doesn't drive with my reasoning, which is, hey, when I know, why would I delay that? Like when I know I'm ready to be married, it's like, okay, I'm ready. Uh, we'll do it next year. It's
1: mainly just so I like, can save up the money for all the expenses. Of which again,
0: seems like a, like a scale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that to me uh, is incredibly frustrating because I'm I was thinking, this has nothing to do with my partner or any partner or hypothetical partner you might marry. It's like the idea of going through all your people in your life and your partner going in through that
1: choice order
0: and then just kind of deciding whether or not they can show up because it's 150, a plate, 500, whatever that number is, feels incredibly traumatizing.
1: do we really going to invite your cousin, you know, the one I don't like. It's... <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, or or there's um, a flip side, which is, Hey, there's people we want to invite and we feel like we can't afford it. Or, Hey, there's people that just ball out on their wedding and then have two decades of wedding debt, which which to me seems asinine. Like good luck having children. If you have 20 years of wedding debt. Right. And dude, I've been to weddings where um, a friend of mine, this was a really just unfortunate situation on a number of levels. Okay. Some girl who I think, Either was a bridesmaid, was friend of the bride. Okay. Um, they had a pretty particular headcount. And this girl brought her mom. Well, her mom was not invited. Not because it didn't like her mom, but because, hey, if everyone brings a plus two, we've just tripled the guest list. Right. So then what happens is the bride is both angry and gets all this unwanted inbound because all these people are suddenly saying, well, how come she brought her mom? Why didn't you invite my mom? And it was like, oh, well, actually, you see, the truth is her mom wasn't invited and she brought her anyway. But when she brought her anyway, we didn't want to make drama by telling her to get the fuck out. So uh, we kind of let her come, right? So that was its own mess. Then it gets more messy, right? We go to the reception. The father of the groom, one of the most important people at the event, right? Didn't have a chair because they had a specific number of chairs. And because of the guest snafu, you know, he didn't have a chair, right? And and so this is something that I like. This is
1: something I've been to. This yeah, is an but, event that I went to. But in all fairness, that's uh-huh. terrible planning on the planner's part because you should always have extra chairs just in case something hurts. <laughs> Right. Every time you plan for an event, you yeah. should have extra tables, you should have extra chairs, you should have oh, but there's there's more, right? Just in case a snafu happens. Well,
0: there's more, right? Another friend of mine got married and He had this spreadsheet, right, of all the invites. Like, oh, I got to put them all in there. And there was one guy who didn't get his invitation because he had a typo, right? He had a typo on the invite. So everyone from the family just dumps on him, right? Like, oh, you mess up this and mess up that. And it turns out that the guy wasn't even going to go anyways, right? So I'm like thinking about all of these nightmares right like most people i shouldn't say most everyone i know that has planned an event like this has had massive i would call it stress and trauma just from the planning of this thing that's supposed to be fun
1: right well i was planning mine like i made it clear i was like no one's gonna fuck up this day like our day is gonna be a nice happy day and it's gonna be a nice happy day for us and it will be or you can get the fuck out like (laughs) oh okay yeah (laughs) like i was like i was like This is how my life's gonna be. Mm -hmm. Anybody will ruin this day? They are not invited. Slash, they will like just be taken away from the right. And did anyone get taken away? No. Right. We didn't. We didn't technically get that far to actually have the wedding. Wedding because we were planning it afterwards. But I I did a a military shotgun wedding where it was just like me and a girl that I knew from my hometown Uh fell quote unquote in love and then we're like. well we can't live together unless we get married. So let's get married and then we can start no, no, no yeah. uh okay. Yep, 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 Got it. Yeah, so we did put enough we did get far enough into it that we had like put money down on it and shit. Right, right. Money I'll
0: never get back. Um so yeah, I mean I, I would say that that was one of the bigger things, you know, from from Brazil. And uh part of it is this idea, right? Uh this helping a lot was again, separate your partner from it. And it has nothing to do with um, whether the partner is qualified. It's like, this is a decision that is massive. What do you need to make the decision, right? What do you need to make this decision? And only you can say that. And then your partner will have to do the same, right? What do they need to make the decision? And their list might not be the same as yours. And that's okay right? Because you both need to enter this willingly. You don't have to, but like we talked about the history of not doing this willingly and it's not a good history. And so then I thought, okay, what would it take for me to know? Right. What would it take for me to know? And, um, then I, I, I went through like what we had done or what happened in our relationship. And it was like, we'd both, uh, gotten jobs, lost jobs, got new jobs. We'd moved right? We moved together. We cohabitated. We did COVID together. We both got COVID together. We traveled domestically. We traveled internationally. We met both of each other's families. It's like, man, I'm running out of tests, you know? (laughs) Like, And and we didn't even set these up as tests. It was just like, oh, hey, if you reflect on the relationship, um, we've done a lot, right? Because if you can travel with somebody internationally, and incur that you know travel stress and not rip each other's heads off, that tells you a lot, right? And uh, so then I thought, hmm, well, whatever I would need to know to make a decision like this, I have all that information, right? I, I have all that, and, and I've heard these, I would call them horror stories of people that have been together for eight years and they're not married. And I agree with that in the sense of uh. I don't think it's the government's business who you're with, but they've kind of made it their business with these financial incentives. Right. So if you're operating from that lens of like, Hey, uh, this isn't a government thing for us. Right. Cause there's like church wedding government wedding, but then the other group that's like, Oh, marriage is maybe or on or off the table. And it's like, what are you going to learn in year nine? like what are you going to learn in year nine that's going to let you know whether or not this is a good idea like uh
1: well i feel like for like some people it's more along the lines of like don't fuck with something that ain't broke you know what i mean like why do we need to change anything because like some states Mm -hmm. just automatically put you in a commonplace marriage like pennsylvania Mm -hmm. if you live with someone for so many years and or you have children that could shorten the length they'll just be like we're treating you as a domestic partnership like
0: oh brazil brazil does that as far as i understand and and they do a thing that's um as far as i know the united states doesn't do which is if let's say there's a mistress right you're married and there's a mistress and the mistress is long term right then the couple breaks up the mistress still gets some as far as i understand because if she can prove that she was receiving money and had a relationship for an extended period of time, um, she's entitled to continued financial support, and that's something the United States does not have. The United States, as far as I know, the whole thing is like, hey, if if you're the third or if you're the other party,
1: oh yeah, I mean, even if you're the other party for like seven years, that's savage. You can get something if you're the fucking mistress.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's wild you know that that's that's one of the things shit. about travel when it opens your eyes. It's like, oh hey, some of the world is like this. Wow. Right. And it's yeah. like, hey, I can I can be angry about it. That's not gonna change the laws in Brazil. Right. And so it's it's just kind of like, huh. And um that's you know, I mean that's just a cultural thing, right? It it is, I, I can see it on your face. It's just like Will what this
1: side bitch gets some of your money.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, you know, maybe there's a Chappelle bit in there somewhere. Right. Um, cause on the one hand, it makes sense if basically there's this track record that, Hey, you know, you have some sort of partnership that you can prove. And as part of that partnership, you've been receiving what's called financial aid, right? For, for lack of a better term. And all of a sudden that gets cut off. Right. I think the way the state views it is like, Hey, this person needs their financial aid that they've been receiving, and, um, that's where the government involvement in these things, I think is messy and disgusting, right? That, that's the whole thing with, with, with the whole gay marriage thing, as far as I understand and the argument of, Hey, um, you don't need to do this or you don't have to do this. It's like, forget the church. Like there's, there's the church argument, but the state argument is, well, actually you're right. It, it wouldn't be the business of the state if they hadn't made it their business because the state made it their business by offering benefits to people who happen to be married
1: and uh, rights of attorney or what it is, you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. So it's funny because the state brought it upon themselves when they're like, Oh, we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't have this. Imagine if you got married and the state was like, okay, you're married. Uh, Here's a sticker. Oh, that's it. That's all you get. Right. Then there's no real incentive. Right. But the state is like, oh, you get this. Oh, look Next what we grades. have in store for you. Yep. Right. So then all of a sudden the, the state has created controversy, right? Cause the state is like, Hey, these gay people want to get married or Hey, these lesbians want to get married. And they're like, um, if they're lesbians and they're just dating and they're not married, they don't get all these state benefits. So they want their state benefits. Yeah. And the only reason that happens is because the state decided to give benefits to these other people.
1: Well, I mean, the state's been doing that since Rome, though. Even yes. Rome did that. Rome yeah, incentivized people to get married and have kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old yeah. ass tradition. Yeah,
0: to metastasize and conquest and and spread and blah 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 blah. And I, I just tend to err on the side of like, um, I just think often government doesn't do a good job at problem solving, like with most things. And um, I think there's other better ways to solve problems and. I get frustrated in my dealings with the government, um, and and this is another one, right? Because it's like, oh, hey, we apply for a green card. Much of the process has to do with which office it gets routed to,
1: which yeah, we don't choose. Fucking, that's ridiculous. It should be based on like location. Businesses don't country. do that. No, yeah.
0: Businesses do not do that, and um,
1: there's a whole lot of system needs updated with, especially in like yeah stuff yeah. Like.
0: Well, did you you have any other Brazil questions? I think this is kind of a natural point of conclusion. yeah, I think we covered everything Um, I wanted to tell you. Okay, well, thank
1: you, brother. um, you I'm glad to be on the show. I had a great time.
0: Yeah, and uh, until next time, whenever next time time is. Um, All right, we'll kill this thing. Our current medical system is pretty good at treating acute conditions, but when it comes to chronic health problems – We're not that good. In fact, many Americans suffer from chronic health conditions without really knowing why. Not Medical Advice, yes, that is the name, notmedicaladvice.co, not.com, again, that is notmedicaladvice.co, helps you find a holistic healthcare provider near you. You can get a free guide on the website, and you'll get a video and PDF to find the perfect people in your area to help you solve chronic medical conditions. If you've had confusing healthcare conditions, if your doctor has made your health worse, if you've had a lot of bad doctor experiences, like I have had myself where I've lost trust in the system, and if you haven't had luck with holistic options just yet, Not Medical Advice helps you navigate the health landscape. Go to notmedicaladvice.co. I hope you all enjoyed that. One quick thing in closing, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Stegdrew, just like the show, .com slash juicy. You can sign up for my weekly musings there on all things like we spoke about in this episode and other assorted weirdness. Just
1: drop in your email, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Thank you.